Good morning, everybody. Jason Connell, lead pastor of Portico Church, Arlington, and it is our privilege to open up the Word of God with you today, even online. So welcome. As Pastor Johnny Reeves said, maybe you're just uh, chiming in or just being with us for the first time. Maybe somebody invited you or you saw the stream online. So we want to acknowledge you and we want to welcome you. So we're going to be in Romans today. Romans 5 is the chapter we'll be looking at, verses uh, 1 through 2. So we're in the middle of a series called Jesus Paid It All, and this is what we want to do. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans 1.16 said that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all that believe. So we assume so much when we say things like Jesus died for our sin or the resurrection is our hope. So what we've been doing is taking a deep dive to understand what does it mean that Jesus actually gave himself up or died for us? What does that mean for me? What should I believe about that? How does that change my life? And as we've walked through this, we've understood that it bears the weight of our sin. It pays that penalty. It also releases us from that power or that tyranny of sin. And today we're going to be talking about peace. Uh, this is something that is tenuous for everybody. Uh, I remember I had a good friend years ago. I haven't connected with him in a long time, but I remember this, this friend of mine, um, he was just kind of, he had some problems. And one day somebody said, you know what will help you is you need to try this crack. And he did it. So here's what he told me about that experience. He said, Jason, when I tried that crack, when I smoked that, he said, um, I knew instantly that I would give up my life for this. I knew it. He said, I, knew, I had a marriage, I had kids, I had a job. I knew that the feeling that this gave me, the escape this gave me, the peace that this gave me was worth losing everything for. And I asked him, are you kidding me? He's like, no, no, it changed everything, changed my logic. I knew in that moment. Now, by God's grace, um, he was pulled out of that. But this is the kind of pull that peace has for us. Everybody wants it. Everybody strives for it. Now, how do we strive for it? Um, well, Many times through control. Like if we can control our circumstances, we can control the things and the people around us, then we have some measure of peace. But many times that leads us to both anger, and if we don't have just explosive anger, it's just anxiety. A lot of times we just give up. We just yield. Like I can't control anything, so I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm going to be stepped on. I'm going to try to find peace with everyone and everything I can, uh, and that doesn't usually work out well. That's not a good long-term plan. And many times we also just escape. We'll spend hours on Netflix. This, this is escaping the pain, another version of getting out of the world that we're in. Or we will spend hours gaming, uh, or we will spend just hours escaping, reading, consuming, buying things, because this gives us some sense of peace and removes the sense of pain that we have. Well, as we look into what Jesus has done for us, this death that he bore, this cross that he bore, it gives us a peace. So the death of Jesus, this is the big idea, the death of Jesus restores peace to us. And so I want you to know, I want us to know today, how exactly does that happen? How did the work of Jesus, specifically his death, how does that give you peace? How does that restore peace to you? So that's where we're going to go today, and we'll be doing that in Romans 5 verses 1 through 2. So as we read this text together, as you're listening to this, as we're walking through this, ask yourself this, how am I finding peace today? Like, where, where do I circle back to continually? Where, what does it for me? 
what gives me some sense of release from pain, frustration? Where am I finding that peace? So let's go there. Uh, Romans 5, verses 1 through 2. And the text reads, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come before you today as a people, as a nation, as a world that needs peace. In this text, you hold it out for us. Not, not just an idea of peace or a promise of peace, but real tangible peace. Would you give us understanding? Help us to understand what you're speaking of. And we pray that as we open your word, Lord, you would open our minds and our hearts and our lives and transform us forever. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray this. Amen. Okay, the death of Jesus. He restores peace to us. We're going to look at that from three perspectives. One is, how does he do this? First, he gives us a peace from God. So that's one aspect of the peace that Jesus gives us. Secondly, it's a peace with God. Again, not just a free-floating idea or sense of well-being. It's really peace with someone. It's peace with God. So it's a peace from God first. It's a peace with God second. And it's a peace that is forever in God. Because a peace that can be taken away from you is no peace at all. So let's walk through these together. The death of Jesus restores peace. And first, it's a peace that comes from God. Um, What's the problem with peace? There's, there's a lot of problems with the kind of peace that we try to hold on to. Two things that come to mind for me is, one, it's temporary, and secondly, it's subjective. Every peace that we get, everything that we try to hold on to, whether it's wine, whether it's whiskey, uh, whether it's just escapism, whether it's in a substance that takes away the pain for a moment, every one of these things is temporary. We have to continue to grasp in it. The pain always comes back. The chaos always comes back. So it's temporary. It's something that we don't have forever. And secondly, it's subjective. Uh, I might have external peace. I might be in a circumstance where I'm protected, where I'm having a good time. In fact, I remember just being at dinner uh, before uh, we were sheltering in place with my wife, and it was great. It was a great restaurant. Uh, we were enjoying the night, and she's like, where are you at? What's wrong with you? I was a thousand miles away. My mind was thinking about something else. So even when we have the environment of peace, we don't even experience because we have an internal war many times that goes on, and that will destroy peace for us. So that's just a few of the problems with peace. Now, when, when peace is spoken of in Scripture, peace with God, or in other parts of the Old or New Testament, it's a very different peace than what we're used to understanding. So when we say peace, we think of the, just a general sense of well-being. But this peace is greater. Uh, this peace is not just the absence of conflict in your life. The peace that this Scripture and the entire Bible is talking about is a positive peace, not just the absence of chaos or conflict, but a positive sense of blessing and well-being in the face of God. So peace is not peace or shalom, as the Bible calls it, unless it's peace in front of the face of God. Let me just give you an example. Uh, many times when we do a benediction, the end of our service, we will read Numbers 6, 24, and it's a blessing. Uh, let me just remind you of what it says. May the Lord bless you 
and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord uh, lift up his countenance, again, his face upon you and give you peace. So the peace that God holds out to us, the kind of peace that we're actually striving for, is not something that comes from ourselves or from within or something that can give us a temporary peace. This is a peace that comes from God. It is a gift from him, and it can only be exercised and enjoyed in his presence. Just like that benediction says, it's in his face that we, it's before his face that we live It's in his countenance, and he gives us blessing and his peace. So it's more than just the absence of conflict. Now, the text says, we have been justified by faith, right? And so we have peace with God. This is objective peace, friends. This is a peace that doesn't depend on what you can do, what you have done, what you can control, This is a peace that comes from outside of yourself. So what does it mean? We are justified. That means that everything that Jesus has belongs to me. The fact that he was able to walk in peace before the face of God the Father, God the Son, doing this at great expense to himself out of love for you, for me, this right life that he lived, this righteousness becomes mine by faith. And the death that he died paying the penalty of sin, wiping away the stain of shame from me becomes mine as well. So this is the objective work of Jesus that he has accomplished that I get to receive by faith. That's peace. That is the foundation of peace. And through faith, it belongs to you. We have full forgiveness. We have his righteousness. We have peace with God by faith. Now here's the problem. You don't want it by faith. You want to come to the table with a reason that God gives you peace, with a reason that God loves you, with something that you can hold in your hand and say, yes, I have peace because I'm one of the good people. I do it right. I live my life better than other people. But when we come to God, we can never find our rightness or our righteousness based on comparing ourselves to other people, right? We all have great need. We all sin before God, and we all need the work of Christ to give us true peace. So the death of Jesus does this. It restores peace, and it's a peace, a gift that we receive from God. If you are holding on to a peace that you're not getting from the hand of God, it's not going to last. Secondly, the death of Jesus restores peace with God. Uh, We know this. True peace is relational. Um, You might have peace at work, peace in your circumstances. You might have a nice home, money, etc., but The thing that drives peace in your life is relationships. It is relational. So have you ever had somebody invite you over to dinner and say, hey, why don't you guys come over for dinner? And you're expecting to have a nice night hanging out with another couple or some friends, and you get there, and they've invited other people that you didn't know about, and it just so happens there's somebody that you don't like. Let's just be honest. So let me just ask you, how fun is that dinner for you? It's not. You've lost peace. There's relational discontinuity with somebody at that dinner table, and you might as well have just not come. It, it destroys your peace. So the destroyed relationship always destroys peace. On the flip side, um, 
you can be having a vacation with someone and the vacation plans turn out awful, but if you are truly reconciled to this person and you get each other and you're having fun together, you can still have a fantastic time. So it is the relationship that establishes peace, specifically our relationship with God. So the text says we've been justified by faith, therefore we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Um, So what is the nature of this relationship? What does this relational peace feel like with God? We need to know that. Otherwise, it's just going to be abstract, and we won't even know how to pursue it. Well, Jesus gives us a good good idea of what relational peace with God looks like and what the relationship looks like. And the, uh, the metaphor he uses is a tree and a branch, or a vine and a branch that's connected to it. So your relationship with God, the substance of it, is intimacy. It's closeness. He's provider. He's the substance and source of your life. Let me just read this. This is out of, um, where is this? John 15, verses 5 through 6. Jesus explaining what your relationship when we're walking in faith feels like with God. He says in verse uh, John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, that's like the tree. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide or stay in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. So the, the, pot, the purpose is this. You belong in relationship with God and it's a love-trust relationship. Um, not just that he's in your circle, but he's your God. And we have peace with God through the work of Christ. It's foundational. It's not just relational. Your relationship with God, whether you have it or don't, is foundational to your peace, to your peace. Um, and lastly, you have to experience it. It's, it's peace with God. It's not just something you know about or you've heard about. You must experience it. Um, Isaiah 26.3 is a great verse. You, maybe you've heard of it before, maybe you haven't, but it says that he gives him perfect peace who keeps his mind stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now, what this verse is getting at is perfect peace comes from those whose mind is anchored in, even though there's a thousand things competing for your attention, his mind is anchored in God in this way. You trust him. You say, well, I trust him, I guess. No, trust is, the, trust is action. It's when you experience your relationship with God. It's when you do something that you're afraid of, but you do it anyway because you trust God is going to get you through that. That is how faith works. It's not just in the abstract. It's not just a creed that you read. It's not just something that you believe. It's not just a story that you hear. It's you acting on the promises that God gave you. Now, let me tell you what happens when you do that. When you start acting even though you're afraid, when you start acting, it starts building conviction in your life. There's no way that you can grow in your understanding and the trust of promises of God if you don't act in it now. But I'm afraid. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I have peace with God. If you're trusting in Christ, you have it. What will happen is your emotions of peace will come and follow behind as you learn to trust and act. So trust Him. We have to experience it 
Our peace with God is not just an idea. And the third thing is the peace that Jesus gives us through his death is forever in God. So it's from God. It's a gift. Peace is a gift. It's with God. That is the foundation of our peace. And this peace that God gives us through the death of Christ is forever in him. So as we said before, peace that is not permanent is no peace, because what will happen is your mind will be occupied with getting more peace or holding on to it. If you know that your peace is a gift from God and it's forever in him, then you actually are starting to understand the kind of peace that God gives you. So the text says some interesting thing in uh, verse two. It talks about the stability of this peace. It says, through him, that's through Jesus, we have obtained access through this faith into the grace in which we stand. So the idea of grace, all that God has accomplished for us, this gift that he gives us of righteousness and forgiveness, this is not just something you know, it's a place that you stand. It's given this idea of a physical place that we stand in grace. And you see in scripture, grace and peace always go together. There's no real lasting peace in your life if God's grace to you is not real because you will continue to try to live your life in such a way that you will earn God's love instead of living your life as one that has God's love. So forever in God, stand in peace through faith in Jesus. And so what has that given us? Access. Well, access to what? Access to grace. Well, what has grace given us? Well, do you know that God seeks you? It's an unsought out grace. He hunts you down. Uh, scripture talks to us about, being, about us being dead in sin, not being able to act on our own behalf to seek him. He seeks us out. So this grace is unsought. He seeks after you. Secondly, it's undeserved. He doesn't seek after you or love you because of what you've done or what you might do. He seeks you because he loves you. And lastly, grace is unconditional love. There's no condition in which you must fulfill before you are qualified to receive the gift of grace. There's no qualification. That's why it's called grace. It's a gift. You cannot earn it. And this text tells you that we stand in it. You stand in it. It's not something you go in and out of in faith. It's a place in which you stand forever in God. Um, so where the text goes from here is just strange, I'm going to tell you. Uh, it says we should rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, that doesn't sound strange, but the word that's translated as rejoice everywhere else in your Bible is translated boast. In fact, if you have an NIV Bible, New International Version, it says boast. It says we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now, rejoice is, is a good translation, but I think we're missing the force of it. Let me explain this. Um, I love NFL football, American football. And the team that I love is the San Francisco 49ers. So my lovely and gracious wife bought me and my son tickets. Wait, no, that was my daughter. I'm sorry, now I'm in trouble. Somebody in my family bought uh, my son and I tickets to go to a game because the 49ers are coming out to Washington, D.C., and the 49ers are awful. They have been awful for years. 
However, last year, they were very good. They were undefeated, so they were coming to play their sixth game in Washington. We went. It was a horrible Sunday. It was awful. It was rainy. And by some miracle, we, we defeated the Washington Redskins. I still love them. I'm just, walk with me, okay? As we were leaving the stadium after the defeat, after we, we beat the Redskins, as we're exiting, a, this flash mob formed of 49er fans out of nowhere, and there was probably three or 400, and they were chanting, six and oh, six and oh, because we were undefeated. People were videotaping it. They were screaming. I was like so disrespectful for the Redskin fans because they were having to walk around. us, couldn't get out of their own stadium and go to the parking lot. Now, would you call that rejoicing? No, you would call that boasting. What were we boasting in? We were boasting in the hope of glory. What glory? We were boasting in the hope that we might get to the Super Bowl, which we did, but then we lost. That it, was, it was bad because we're boasting in something that we can't control. This is where the text goes. When you understand the gift that God has lavished on you by grace through faith, the Apostle Paul, God is telling us through him, you need to boast in that grace. You need to be so overwhelmed and so desirous of the glory of God that you boast in the hope. That's not just a hope that you will get it. Boast in the reality that you, in Christ, will see God face to face. Everybody wants glory. Everybody wants to be connected to something greater than themselves. Everybody wants to have a reason why they live. Everybody seeks glory whether it's in a football team, whether it's in a job, everybody seeks something. God is calling us to boast in this. You know me. I love you. Boast in the fact that I love you. Be wrapped up with that. If you want peace in your life, boast in it. Boast in the peace that you have that doesn't come from you, but it comes from me. Friends, this is the peace that God offers. This is the peace that we are called to rest in. Rest in this peace. Rest in the peace that you will see God face to face in Christ. It's not by your work, but his. This is the peace that the death of Jesus restores to you. It's not from you, friend. It's from him. It's from God, and it's with God. And it's forever in him. Where are you finding peace? Just be honest with yourself. Where are you finding peace today? Is it here? Is it through faith? Is it, is it through get, grabbing on to what Jesus has for you? Is it the fact that he walked in peace with God, but then gave it all up in love for you to suffer the cross that you might have peace with God? This is what he has done. Friends, we have lost our future. Let's just be honest for a minute. Wherever your hope was, whether it was in your retirement account, in your job, in your health, Nobody controls any of that now. We've lost it. Don't waste this time. If we just hold our breath and get through this, and we don't use this as an opportunity to see where we are, these counterfeit gods that we are getting peace from, if we don't take this opportunity to repent and to turn from these things, from sin, and to turn boldly to God through faith in Christ, if we don't find our peace there, if we don't start praying for this as a people, as a nation, as a world, we're wasting it. Let's trust him. Let's hold on to this peace that God gives us through faith in Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have given us peace. Um, thank you that it's a peace that comes from 
you. It's a peace I can't earn. It's a gift from you, and it's peace with you, and it's forever in you. Thank you that you secure the peace of your people, even though we suffer today. We experience peace in you because it cannot be taken away from us. So we thank you, we praise you, Lord, and we ask your blessing as we continue to worship you. In the name of Jesus, amen.